Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. Welcome to another edition of Colorado Issues. I'm Deanna Williams, and today we're speaking with Aurora Chief of Police. This is Nick Metz. Nick, nice to have you here today. Thank you for having us here, Deanna. And we also have Public Information Officer Bill Hummel. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having us. Oh, it's my pleasure to have you. First of all, I want to say thank you to every police officer in your department, in the city, in the county, in the state, in the, in the country, really, and their families for putting their lives on the line every single day. And I'm sure you guys get that all the time. Hopefully you get that all the time, right? We get it quite a bit. It's really nice to hear, especially these days when uh, you know things have been as um, stressful as they've been for law enforcement and the scrutiny and the uh, tensions between the community and law enforcement around the country. So it's mm-hmm. always heartening to get those kinds of responses. Yeah, that's great. Well, our culture has changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. And in the last decade, especially when it comes to respecting authority, mm-hmm. you know, you look at the 1960s versus today. Yeah, in the 1960s, there was kind of a revolt and, you know, question authority, all that thing. But it's night and day if you look at the circumstances of today. And so I'd like to start by asking you to give me some insight of what makes up a police officer inside the heart and soul of those who serve. Well, I think I think to start off with what you're seeing today in law enforcement is I think you're seeing a, my, a more diverse group of people becoming police officers. And when I say diverse, I'm not just talking about the demographics. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the diversity of experiences that people have had. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have people who come in from college, military experience, people who are in the Peace Corps, uh, people who have had other professions before becoming a police officer, whether it's as an attorney, you know, construction worker, social worker, you name it. And so now I think when you're what you're seeing is you're seeing a more eclectic group of folks coming in who I think bring a lot of different ideas and of, of how law enforcement should look mm-hmm. and how we engage with the community. Mm-hmm. What do you find is the motivation of your coworkers, Bill? I think one of the greatest motivations, it sounds a little bit cliche, but it's it's really wanting to do the right thing and, and really wanting to help people. And I think if you ask most most cops, that's sort of the standard answer you'll get, and it's because it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, really, the impact that we can make on people's lives and and that privilege to, to be a part of, of helping someone maybe down a, a better path or make a, a better decision or or just help somebody. I think that's really why we're all here. I had a friend who said, and this was around 9-11, you know, the first responders, you guys are the folks running up the stairs when everybody else is running Mm -hmm. down. Mm -hmm. And so it's humbling if you really examine how this works and that you're just a normal person, a normal guy, and you have a family too, Mm -hmm. and you're putting your lives out there to make things better for everyone. So again, I think it's wonderful. Well, I think when you look at you know, that, that example that you just gave of mm-hmm. officers running in when everybody is running out, the Aurora Theater shooting is a perfect example perfect. of when our officers did that. Um, and, and, and not just those real high-profile type of situations that occur, but every single day our officers, whether it's in Aurora, Denver, or any other, or within any other department around the country, 
there are situations every day that occur where officers put themselves out there and put themselves in harm's way for people they don't even know. Sure. Um, but because, and that's because they care about the community and they swore an oath to protect that community. Mm-hmm. And I also, I think, you know, I've been in this job now for 34 years and I've seen huge evolution of where law enforcement was when I first became a police officer. Mm-hmm. You know, the philosophy at that time pretty much was when I first became an officer was for the most part, you enforce the law. You're there to write tickets. You're there to arrest people. Uh, we can't enforce our way out of the problems that we're dealing with today. Society's issues and challenges today are much different. The When you look at all the social services that we had back 20, 30 years ago when all we had to do is take somebody to a, a certain facility to get help, those a lot of those facilities and, and services are no longer available. So now that falls on to our police officers to have to really diversify their thinking and to really look at different ways of handling a lot of issues and not just putting the handcuffs on people. Mm-hmm. And Nick, as you were saying, um, policing has changed mm-hmm. over the years and especially with the advancement of technology, you know, you have dash cams and body cams and witnesses at every scene with their <laughs> cell phones out and all that stuff. That's probably led to an increased scrutiny of mm-hmm. officers as they respond to calls and in many cases, it's useful in showing the good things that are going on. But unfortunately, more often than not, it's the technology that shows how sometimes policies need to change. Mm-hmm. How has Aurora PD responded to the negative perceptions and even the mistrust of police in the community? I, I think a lot of it really has to do with the core of the Aurora Police Department. You know, I've only been here close to three years. I came from Seattle. Um, but one of the things that I noticed really early on is the heart and soul of the officers of our department. We have over 700 officers and and almost 300 civilian employees. And the best way I can describe it is they get it. Mm-hmm. They understand what the role and the mission is. You know, you mentioned earlier at the beginning that you think it's rare that we get the thanks when I moved here from Seattle, I, I can tell you in all honesty, and it just happened when we were at lunch come, before coming here, is you can't go a day without somebody coming up and thanking us for our service. And I think our officers see that connection. Some of it may have had to do with uh, the theater shooting and that connection that grew between the community and the police. Um, technology, you know, just as in any form, whether it's in law enforcement, communications, doesn't matter, it's had its positives and its negatives. I can tell you with things like the body-worn camera, when we first introduced the body-worn camera to our department, there were a lot of eye rolls. Officers were like, oh, Big Brother's going to be watching. It only took two or three incidents to where officers were falsely accused of situations to where we were able to, within minutes, Mm -hmm. clear those officers. And then all of a sudden, the rest of the officers who hadn't received the body cameras yet were saying, where's mine? It's a good idea now. Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, and unfortunately, there have been situations, whether it's in our department or any other department, where the body cameras have not shown us in the best light. Mm -hmm. But we try to use those opportunities as um, as learning opportunities to make sure that uh, we don't repeat those same mistakes. Mm -hmm. And you have to understand, these are intense situations Mm -hmm. that only you guys experience, really. Right. And I know you're trained to react and to either keep it together or to make things happen one way or another. So having someone just off the street saying, oh, they shouldn't have done that. Well, there's always a reason for what you guys are doing. Mm -hmm. I um, went on Facebook before having you guys come in and I let people know that I was interviewing the chief of police and 
I wanted to kind of get a public perception, you know, ask some questions. And Jeffrey wrote in, and I thought this one was a pretty good question. He says, it's pretty clear that people of color feel that they're being targeted by police and more now than ever. Uh, What can local police departments do to make these citizens feel included and protected and not profiled? And more specifically, what can police nationwide do? I think that's a great question, and it's an issue that, you know, not only our department, every department around the country is, is, is grappling with. I think we are doing a lot of different things here in Aurora to be inclusive of everybody in the community, mm-hmm. to give people a voice. So whether it's our key community response team, which we meet with monthly, which is a very diverse group of folks from our community who we give updates to things, to issues that are going on. A new um, group that we've just formed is called our Community Policing uh, advisory team, CPAT. Mm-hmm. This is a group of about 25 to 30 folks that we specifically selected to actually kind of be our our conscience, if you will, for us to work with them to help us uh, determine the direction and strategies of our department, mm-hmm. to help us in looking at our policies, give us their honest feedback. We get So we spend a lot of time with them. And in fact, just this last week, we went through a process where we were selecting a brand new commander who will ultimately be a district commander. Mm-hmm. We actually had him interview with this community group. This is, again, a very diverse group, people representing the NAACP, the Muslim community, et cetera. It's, it's important that people feel included, that people feel like they have a voice. We're also putting a lot more priority to getting our officers, particularly our patrol officers, out of their cars Um, walking the streets, going into businesses, going into the schools, spending time with folks when there's not a crisis, um, and getting to know one another. And it works both ways because it helps with building that trust, but it also helps for officers to get to know the people who uh, live within the beats that they patrol. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been part of that program, Bill? Yeah, I was actually a PAR officer, which is a police area representative, and that is sort of the sole function of, of that PAR assignment here in Aurora. And it's a it's a team of officers in each district that goes out and literally entrenches themselves in the community so that they're aware of the stakeholders in the community, the unique problems, and, and they can take time to address those problems rather than uh, maybe a patrol officer who's who's busy on a busy night triaging calls. So it's it's really a luxury that we have here in Aurora and it works out so well, and we get so much positive feedback from from the community members because it gives us that that time to to really not just put a bandaid on it, but solve problems and connect. Exactly, absolutely. So you have been here for three years. You're relatively mm-hmm. new, mm-hmm. and you've reorganized the department. Right. And what areas did you see that needed the most work? Uh, probably the the one area in, in particular was our internal affairs. I mm-hmm. felt that our internal affairs uh, unit at the time was woefully understaffed. It was a lieutenant that commanded it rather than a higher ranking person. And I felt that to have that greater degree of gravitas, if you will, mm-hmm. um, and oversight. So we we made some big steps there. We also uh, enhanced a number of our other units to make sure that we're utilizing best practices to to best serve our community and to make sure that we are doing things to ensure that we have good deployment and good staffing out on the street, that our officers, whether they work in patrol or PAR or wherever, are able to have time and the ability to engage with the public. We, you know, we have a saying around our department is there's no meeting we won't go to. There's no event that we won't go to. 
And our officers many times will participate in events that, you know, they put themselves out there to whether it's participating in in an ethnic event or whatever the case may be to, again, show the community that, you know, we're not just here as an occupying force, that we are here as part of the community. Mm -hmm. And to relate to. Mm -hmm. Well, with any project or business, it's always good to know that there's a level of accountability. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure everyone listening would applaud the creation of the Compliance and Professional Standards Division Mm -hmm. that you created. Right. Explain the details of that program and share what you've seen internally and externally in the community as more accountability has been required of law enforcement. So the the Compliance uh, Bureau or division really is kind of that quality control, if you will. Uh, They're the ones who dot the I's and cross the T's. They're the ones that really make sure that the rest of the department is doing what it needs to do. They also are in charge of our training, which is a huge accountability piece because, Mm -hmm. as we just talked about, every, you know, Law enforcement is changing every day, which means our training needs to change every day. There's a, there was a report that came out under the Obama administration called 21st Century Policing. And that report, we looked at it, um, when it once it was published. And what was really gratifying to see was that, that I would say 90-plus percent of the recommendations that were made in that report were things that our department had already been doing before I even got here mm-hmm. or – or things, strategies that we implemented once I got here. And we were talking about building that bridge between mm-hmm. the community and police. One of your initiatives, and you shared the review board, mm-hmm. um, it's made up of citizens that are appointed by the Aurora City Council. Right. That's yeah. called the Independent Review Board. The Independent Review Board. Mm-hmm. What are the roles of that board? And if one of our listeners wanted to get involved, how would they go about doing that? Okay. So the role of the Independent Review Board really is to uh, look at... Um, complaints that come from our internal affairs that are typically already sustained by me or the, as a chief. They will review the case. They will give me recommendations on what they believe is the appropriate discipline. Uh, the And so we have um, citizen participation in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do not, as a department, have oversight of that because we want, we think it's important that we stay separate completely separate and they are as what the name suggests, independent. So if anyone does have an interest, we would always encourage them to contact their city council member for their ward um, mm-hmm. and let them know they would have an interest in being part of that. And then as as positions bec- as come open, uh, they could be put into consideration for mm-hmm. that. Is there like a certain amount of time that these members have to serve? I don't. I think maybe they're typically two-year terms, but I'm not exactly sure. Okay. That, yeah. mm-hmm. Talk about the community outreach and personal mm-hmm. commitment initiatives. Um, I know one story that hit close to home for me was you guys went to a call, I guess, a Girl Scout troop was mm-hmm. robbed of their money. Right. That happened to me when I was 10 years old. <laughs> oh, no. Someone took all my cookie money. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I was going door to door back when it was safe, relatively, to go door to door. And so what did the department do in that instance? Well, that's just one of so many examples where our officers take the initiative. They don't ask for permission. They just know it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, in this case, uh, the officers responded. The officer could have simply just said, here, I'll take a report. Here's your case number. So sorry. What that officer did is he put a message out over his uh, uh, data terminal and told officers citywide, come down here and buy Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> so we got this great picture of cars lined up. 
we, we, you know, there's a, there's a quote I brought with me, and the quote is from Maya Angelou, which is, people may not remember what you did, and they may not remember what you said, but they're always going to remember how you made them feel. And we know that those Girl Scouts will always remember that. We have a story where two officers went to a um, family disturbance between a mother and her 15-year-old son. Uh, the son was very frustrated and ended up putting his fist through the drywall a couple times. She lived in a... Um, apartment. She was on fixed income. You know, she's worried she's either going to get evicted. She's worried that she can't pay for the repairs. Um, so these officers, again, this is one of those things they could have easily just come in, you know, tell the kid, don't do that again. They could have arrested him, but mm-hmm. they didn't. They sat down, they counseled him. But here's the best part. The next day, these two officers show back up to the house unexpected with material to fix the drywall damage. And they didn't fix the drywall damage. They showed the young man how to do it. Very nice. And and there's example after example where officers just, you know, whether it's going to a home uh, where there's some kind of a disturbance or some other issue, and one of the officers will open the refrigerator and see that there's no food and they, there's two or three kids. These officers will go in with their own money and buy, you know, bags of groceries and bring it back. Uh, or officers have bought lunch for the homeless. Officers have bought clothes or tennis shoes for kids uh, who are participating in activities with the cops and they don't have the appropriate um, clothing. Mm -hmm. Again, just example after example of our officers taking those kinds of initiatives. And you rarely hear these stories. You know, you always hear the bad stuff. Do you have any stories like that, Bill? Well, one thing I'd like to add on to this is that as a public information officer, one of my jobs is to constantly try to find out about and share stories like this. And we've we've shared a couple of them on social media platforms in the last couple of weeks. And th- in both instances, there's been requests for interviews for the officers from a, a media outlet. And I'm not surprised when I contact the officer and they decline an interview. And the reason for that is because I think it speaks volumes about the kind of people that I work with mm-hmm. because these officers don't do good deeds for notoriety or to get on the news. And they're, they're likely embarrassed that when we put it on social media, it's, it's just, they did something because it was the right thing. That's a sign of a hero. Mm-hmm. If you ask me. And there are many programs that reach out to children in high school age kids and things like that around the country. And I'm sure APD is no exception to that. What has been the attitude of the emerging culture, you know, the young kids, the next generation when it comes to the perception of law enforcement? Because all they're seeing on the media or in the media is, you know, negative. We spend a lot of time really engaging the youth in our community, Um, whether it's through the school resource officers that work in the schools who have regular contact with the with the kids. Uh, We have the teen academy, the summer teen academy, where kids get to come in and see how the department operates. Oftentimes what happens with that is the kids who graduate from the teen academy then decide they want to be explorers, which is awesome. The explorer program is probably one of the best in the country, mm-hmm. incredibly diverse, probably more young women involved in, in the explorer program than men, young men, and it's it's just an amazing kind of uh, uh, program. What's but involved with that? Do they go on ride-alongs? or They what? do everything. They go on ride-alongs. They they go through their own little academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they participate in a number of different exercises. They do competitions around the country on police tactics. Our folks have won many awards for 
the you know for their participation in the Explorer program. And a lot of these young people will end up becoming law enforcement officers, hopefully with Aurora. Mm-hmm. But if they don't, that's fine because then. We're, but we know that they've learned a lot of life skills by being involved in the Explorer program. And a lot of these kids come from challenging home environments uh, where you know they often look upon the the officers who are Explorer advisors as kind of quasi-family members who help guide them through and mentor them through some of the challenges that our young people are facing today. But we also take the time when we hear a situation or, you know, um, a year or so ago, some Rangeview football players had, um, someone had, one of them had expressed some concern about police in general. Well, once we heard that that concern was going around, we actually met with the, many of the football players and sat down and talked about the current climate and, and, you know, and got ideas from them what they need to see from us. I think one of the things that was really heartening for me personally last week was we were at a big block party near Aurora Central, and there were a number of, of um, players from the Aurora Central high school football team that were there. Uh-huh. On their own, they came up to us and said, we want you to know that we are praying for you. Um, we appreciate what you guys are doing. And then said, and by the way, we want you to stand on the sidelines with us at our first game. How I mean, it, cool. it was, it was, and that was them. And they were incredibly gracious, incredibly sincere. And that just tells me that our folks are making a dent that it, you know, it takes time. It's not something that's going to happen overnight, but it's great to see through our social media efforts, um, what our officers are doing, that people are starting to see that our, de- our department's a bit different and that we are really working hard to, um, not only engage the community, but allow the community to be included. And I think inclusivity is a is a huge part mm-hmm. of really bringing people aboard and, and becoming good partners. That was one of my questions. Have your initiatives spread to other police departments, either in Colorado or elsewhere? Yeah, I believe they have. We've, we get, we get um, requests from a number of departments throughout the state and throughout the country asking, hey, we've heard you're taking on this new project. We'd like information about it. Uh, we know of another few departments who have actually adopted some of our initiatives. I won't name the departments because I want them to be able to say that they, <laughs> those were original ideas. Um, but, you know, that's it's good to see that people are paying attention to what Aurora PD does. Mm-hmm. And in my research, I learned, and I was very happy to learn, that there is a special emphasis worth working with the Muslim community. Um, how has that gone? It's been amazing. Um, This all kind of started, you know, obviously with a lot of the tensions that have been going on around the world with ISIS and everything else. uh, Some of our mosques and and Muslim schools were getting, were becoming targets of threats and harassment. So we actually, one of our officers who's who's a practicing Muslim, um, his name is Abdul Sayedi. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's actually one of our recruiters now, which he's doing a phenomenal job there. Um, And he became our Muslim liaison. And so he really started working with the Muslim communities around the city and around the region. We started that about a, about two weeks before the Orlando shooting. Oh, wow. And so to have him already have made those contacts, to make those to have made those introductions of us to the imams and, and other members of, of the Muslim community uh, was huge. And especially at a time when, you know, they were concerned about their their security and and their relationships in the community. Mm-hmm. So that's been that's been um, a really uh, cool thing to watch. Mm-hmm. We were talking about 
just the person of a police officer when we first started. And I know it's not an easy job. And there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of training. There's a lot of responsibility. How has the department changed to promote officer wellness and their safety? I'm going to I'm gonna touch on what we've done, but I'd really like Bill to kind of touch on what he's, the impacts of what he's seen with okay. that. So if you don't mind. So one of the things that we did, we actually created a full-time wellness sergeant position. So we have somebody now who full-time, their job is to make sure that our officers are doing well. Our officers have a stressful job, but they're, we recruit from the human race. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important thing for people to remember. So our officers have, they not only have the challenges doing the job, but they have challenges at home. And so if they're dealing with personal issues, the last thing we want them to do is to bring that baggage to work to where it has an impact on how they do their job, how they interact with people, their alert levels for being, you know, and being safe out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've created a number of programs, whether it's through our peer support. We have a, a program called Trauma Response Team. But I think we are really f- sending a priority message inside the department uh, to you know, to our supervisors and officers that their wellness is important to us. I don't know, Bill, if you want to touch on that a little bit more. Yeah, I would say from the other perspective, from the officer perspective, um, talking here with the chief, is that I think most of us really feel that the message is you can't help other people if if you're not well yourself. Mm-hmm. And so the establishment of these programs, number one is is identifying what what is problematic and breaking a stigma around that. I think one of the things, too, that's been really cool is the the sergeant that we put in charge of that wellness position, he's a cop's cop. What was great was last year when we had our in-service, and he had an hour to talk to all of our officers about wellness and the resources out there. And he one of the things he talked about was psych services. And he he said in front of everybody that he and his family have taken advantage of that. That's a huge message coming from an officer like that to where now it's not uncommon to hear an officer say, yeah, I've got an appointment with this, you know, the doc and, and it's okay and to be vulnerable. It's okay. And the military goes through that as well. Mm-hmm. I know armed services folks do. Well, gentlemen, I want to just thank you again for all that you're doing. I appreciate you coming into the station and, and sharing a little bit about your lives and uh, your vocation and encourage people who are listening to get a hold of you through your website. Yeah, follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Those are platforms that we get a lot of information out there. Uh, it's really where we exercise a lot of our transparency to our community and it's also sort of an open forum we're always happy to to answer those what's the apd website it's auroraPolice.com. all right simple enough thank you very much well we thank you for taking the time to showcase the department our pleasure thanks for having us